0: Welcome back to the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Anna Marsh, and today we're going to talk about a very popular topic, which is how to manage crashes and flares. And so if you are somebody who is recovering from chronic fatigue syndrome, long COVID, if you've got POTS, fibromyalgia, a burnout, or some other complex chronic condition which Affects your energy and perhaps leads to energy crashes from time to time. I'm sure you will know the absolute frustration, hopelessness, anger, and everything else in between that comes hand in hand with a setback, a crash, or a flare. What I'd like to pre frame this episode by saying is that crashes, flares, setbacks are an inevitable part of the process. We would love for progress to be linear, but you and I both know that that is seldom the case, maybe never really ever the case in any aspect of life. Whatever goal you're looking to achieve, whether that is healing and recovering your health or maybe achieving something in your business or achieving something on a personal level, There's always going to be ups and downs, and those ups and downs are part of the journey. They are the necessary, but don't always feel good, steps which actually help us learn what we need to learn so that we can eventually realize our goal, whatever that goal is. Although crashes, flares, and setbacks are frustrating, The attitude I'd love for you to come away from this episode with is that they are your greatest teachers, they will bring to you the best lessons, and these lessons will shape you and help you to become the person you need to be to achieve your goals. One of my favorite sayings is, to achieve something you've never achieved before, you must become someone you've never been, which implies that there is an identity shift. And I would also probably say as well that not only is there an identity shift, but there is a shift on the systemic level of your nervous system. Your entire nervous system must shift so that you can be the person you need to be to realize your goal. Through the lessons that we learn from our crashes, our flares and setbacks that we can maybe start to become aware of our blind spots, we start to learn our edges, what is too much for the body at this stage right now. And if we embrace these lessons or the learning opportunities that are being offered up to us, then we can take the actions required to reshape our thinking, to reshape the nervous system, and to reshape how we approach and practice self-care and healing as a whole. So if you're in a crash right now and you're listening to this and you're feeling all of the emotions... I know I've been there too, and I don't want to invalidate any of that emotional experience. But I do want to really encourage you to know that this is not permanent and that there will be good things that come out of the learnings if you can take the opportunity to learn from this experience that you're having right now. So as I've said already, as we experience crashes, what we're really doing is we're learning our edges. I remember when I first became fully unwell and began my, what I call, I guess, my healing adventure or my chronic fatigue experience, I had no awareness of what I was doing. And I was probably on a weekly basis experiencing the typical boom and crash cycle. So Feeling a little bit better, then going on to do too much, then having a bit of a crash, maybe needing to spend a day or two in bed, and then feeling a little bit better, and then going on to repeat the whole cycle all over again. If I'm being very honest, it really took me a long time to see what was going on. I was constantly going through these cycles because I was still in sort of a denial stage in my healing journey where I thought that I could heal faster than what I actually could. The first thing I would say is that when I was repeating these boom and crash cycles, I was doing it mindlessly. I was just being all consumed by the frustration. And my own inner achiever was completely hijacking and project managing the process. And all she wanted to see was progress, 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 progress. It wasn't until I really started to slow down a bit and connect more to my body and understand what was going on that I started to begin to see the cycle that I was in and then I started to refine the process. And part of that process was just learning what is too much, what do I need to do to support my body? and making a few adjustments, seeing a little bit of progress, then having another setback, another crash, and then having to maybe reevaluate or learn a new lesson, implement that, and then continue forward little bits at a time. In this chronic fatigue recovery journey, when I speak with my clients and they say, Oh no, I'm feeling so awful, I'm so cross with myself, I had another crash, or I don't know why this has happened, the first question I always ask, Well, is it as bad as crashes that you've have had before? And do you feel that you're recovering from this crash, setback or flare faster than you did before? The progress or what we're looking for is the milestone to assess progress, should I rather say, is that we don't necessarily need to completely eliminate crashes and setbacks but we want to see that they are starting to reduce in their frequency and they're starting to reduce in their intensity. So for example maybe in, my, in, in the beginnings of my journey I would have a big crash once a week where I would really kind of feel bedbound bound. Of course, you know I could have got up to do things. I could have left the house if I used a lot of push energy, but there was no real desire or motivation to to do any of those things. In maybe once a week, I was entering that kind of cycle where I would really feel awful and just want to lie in bed all day. But then, as time went on, maybe I would still experience a weekly sort of cycle of doing too much, but. The crash days, shall we call them, meant that I felt a bit rubbish, but I could still work. I could still maybe go for like a little short walk. Um, you know, they were manageable or more manageable within the context of my life. And then as time went on further, you know, I could have weeks where I would generally feel pretty good. And then the, setbacks or crashes were more cyclical with my menstrual cycle so i typically feel a little bit lower but still functional around my period or the first couple of weeks of my cycle and then pretty good in the second half of my cycle and then as time went on those cycles became less intense so the highs and lows were not as high and not as low and then things just gradually started to even out So understand that it's not a case of being on it or feeling good all the time. Even healthy people have cycles of doing too much, needing to take a step back. Life is about yin and yang. It's about the balance between pushing ourselves and then resting and recovery. I think if you have a very strong inner achiever, I know I definitely do, sometimes we can or we can perceive these setbacks or crashes like we're failing and actually we're not failing what we're doing is we're learning and from this information we can move forward so I gave the example about how there was definitely a pattern in the way that my body responded to my menstrual cycles in a way I could use that information go hmm something is going on here there's a cyclical pattern here that's associated with my hormones. What could I do here to even this out a little bit more? And then I started adding in phytoestrogens, edamame beans, uh, sesame flaxseed around about the time in my cycle when I would usually experience that crash and then I notice hmm, I don't get as many headaches now my energy is much more stable so there's little things that we can do from these learning experiences which are then constantly refining our self-care routines we want to think about this kind of anti-hustle culture we've got this sort of toxic capitalism mindset that's probably embedded in all of us where we need to be hustling we need to be always on we need to be achieving and it's very very tempting to then apply that to our healing But actually healing needs to come with a softer, gentler, more compassionate attitude. And we want to bring that to healing in general. And we definitely want to bring that when we are in the midst of a crash or a flare. Because it's very easy to be judgmental um, about why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. And that in itself can stop how quickly we overcome the crash or the flare. There are many reasons why crashes or flares happen and for the most part it's because we've done too much or the body is experiencing too much and that could be just too much physically you know you tried to exercise and then you were building it up and then it was just too much for your body and your body shut down or maybe there's some really intense emotional experiences that you're having right now due to you know, the complexities of life, and that's just too much for your nervous system right now. Or it could be that actually you're trying to heal too fast. So for example, you're on a gut protocol, you're doing a detox, you're doing some deep emotional work, and your body is just like, whoa, lady, you need to slow down a little bit. So maybe we're just, again, letting that inner achiever hijack our healing journey a little bit too much. So there can be many reasons why we crash. I also mentioned that you know I would definitely notice trends with my hormonal cycle, but sometimes there would also be no apparent reason. That's sometimes the hardest to accept because often if we can, you know, the mind likes to have the answers, the mind likes to cling to certainty. So often if we can pinpoint it to something, oh, it's because of this. We already feel a little bit better because we have a rationale and an explanation. um, And the mind likes that. And it's really hard to accept when we don't really know why it happened. And we've just got to kind of make our way through it and hope to start to feel better again. So I appreciate that there will also be times when there's just no rhyme or reason to why you feel the way that you do. And to a certain extent, this is part of life, just accepting sometimes we don't always get what we want, which is an answer in this case. But I'd love to go along and then just talk a little bit about what is happening in the body and how we support the body in this time. So when you've reached this point of a crash or a flare or a setback and I sort of have already said the words shut down like you've done too much and your body is overwhelmed and it's just gone into a shutdown there is going to be immune activation the body is going to go into more of an inflammatory state and that means that energy is being prioritized towards the immune system away from the brain and the metabolic system and that's why you can feel the way that you do Hand in hand, because the immune system and the nervous system are so closely linked, there's going to be nervous system activation. I guess the very act of experiencing a crash probably for a lot of people feels like more of a freeze. So, freeze, immobility, shutdown, dissociation. But remembering that underneath the freeze, there is sympathetic activation. So, that fight or flight energy is being contained by the freeze. Sometimes we have no energy, we feel very wiped out, we just feel like we need to rest but then when we go down and rest it feels like our heart is pounding in our chest and there's just loads of energy in the body but at the same time we feel very exhausted. Understand that these changes, although they feel terrible at the time, are protective. Your body is not against you. Your body is doing its absolute best to protect you and keep you safe. And the reason why you're experiencing the exact experience that you're having is because your body truly believes that this is the best possible option for you right now because there is either a real threat or there is a perceived threat. And that real threat could actually be something like an infection, or it could be that you're in a toxic environment, or maybe you've had a mold re-exposure. Maybe there is something very real, a major stress in your life. Maybe you're about to lose your job, or you're in financial distress, or your partner is you know, going to leave you. Those are real threats. Um, but there can also be perceived threats as well. The judgment that we're putting on ourselves, the pressure that we're putting on ourselves the just sometimes the enormity of having a chronic illness and really what that means um, in terms of all the aspects of your life the way we're thinking about things can feel threatening to the body And so usually it's not one thing. It can be one thing, but usually it's the collection of things. It's that you're doing that gut protocol, but you maybe also did too much physical activity. And at the same time, there's some financial stress and some work stress, and it's all just too much. And the body's like, okay, we need to slow things down. Let's put you into a self-protective shutdown until we can resolve the issue. Essentially, what's happened is... We've just exceeded our own capacity to cope. So if you think about the idea of the nervous system, there was a previous podcast on this and I talked about the window of tolerance. You're outside of your window of tolerance. Your body is shutting things down so that you can rebalance, you can re-stabilize. And so if you listen to the cell danger response episode, this is essentially a CDR1, the first stage of the cell danger response here there are physiological and biochemical changes taking place in your body so that your body can eventually rebalance and reach homeostasis and most of these changes are going to be completely out of your control so to a certain extent there's not a lot you can do to hurry the process along there are some things you can do which I'm going to touch on next but guzzling down a whole bunch of supplements or eating you know certain foods that type of thing is not necessarily going to make a big difference at this stage I remember in my own fatigue journey, whenever I had one of these crashes, I would start to search for the solution. And then I would go online and I would be Googling and I would be researching and reading. And then I would think, oh, if I just ordered myself some ribose, that will probably help me. Or if I just order myself this really expensive supplement, I know it's 100 pounds, but um, it's got to be worth it. And I would spend so much money on just buying things online that I thought would be the magic cure when I was in this state. And so if this is you, this is me lovingly saying to you, don't make expensive purchases when you are in a crash or a flare. The best thing you can do when you're a crash or a flare is the things I'm going to tell you to do next. Um. But to wait it out, come to a more stable state when you're more feeling like yourself and then from that state, a more regulated state, then you can make decisions about what you want to invest in to support your body because there are some investments that are really worthwhile. One of the consequences of the cell danger response is that it changes your mood. Again, this is self-protective because if you had an infection and the infection made you want to go out and socialize and be all happy you would spread that infection to the people that you're with but instead what happens is we feel very low in mood we don't want to socialize we don't want to see anyone we don't want to go out we don't want to do anything and then that protects that's protective from a social perspective so we're not infecting other people Obviously, if you have chronic fatigue syndrome or some other sort of chronic illness, you're not going to infect people with that illness. But the physiology and the biochemistry is still the same, is that the cell danger response kicks in, your mood drops as a consequence. And that that's annoying because we already feel frustrated, but it contributes to the frustration, the hopelessness, beating ourselves up, shaming ourselves, the low mood. If you are in a crash or flare or having a setback and you're in that kind of emotional state, like why me, feeling sorry for yourself, feeling hopeless, feeling lonely, and I can describe all of these things because I know exactly how it feels, then understand that that is the crash talking, that is the flare talking that is not you at your truest most beautiful essence and when you are more regulated some of those stories that you're telling yourself right now will feel irrelevant so that's just a little reminder so then the biggest and probably most important question you have is what can you do to support your body when you're in a crash a flare or a setback and the most important thing you can do is to support your nervous system. So how do we do that? Firstly, I did a whole episode on the nervous system, which you may want to go back and listen to if you haven't listened to it already, or if you want a recap. But ultimately what we want to do is create a relative sense of safety for the body remember that the body has entered the state of self-protective shutdown because there is a real or perceived threat. And so we do want to deal with anything that is obviously threatening in our environment but we ultimately want to cultivate a relative sense of safety in the body and i say relative because it's not that we have to feel 100 percent completely safe you know we'll still have a chronic illness there may still be financial issues there may still be some relationship dynamics which are a bit off or other pressures or deadlines Life will never be perfectly organized in support of optimal nervous system regulation, but we just want to find a relative sense of safety. Now, here I'd like to distinguish between safety outside of the body and safety inside of the body. Because some people, when they connect to their bodies, because there is pain, there's inflammation, there's all these symptoms of their chronic illness. It can feel very, very unsafe to go into the body and connect with it. So if that's you, if you feel more stressed, more activated, more anxious, um, more agitated when you start to connect with your body, then that's a sign. This is too much. That's not going to help you in this case. Therefore, you want to find your resourcefulness outside of your body. And how you can do that is co-regulation. So co-regulation is when you use another nervous system to help regulate your own. That means you could cuddle with a partner or a friend or a family member. If you've got pets, pets are fantastic co-regulators you can have a little snuggle with. You can also spend time co-regulating with nature So, you know, depending on your physical capacity at this time, getting out into a garden, if you can take a short little walk or visit a green space, for me, if I could physically get there, I would just go down to the beach and float in the sea. Anything you can do to connect with nature in some way could be regulating for your system beautiful music and um, that was one of my favorites is um, I have a lot of playlists already created from teaching yin yoga so really lovely soft gentle piano music just really beautiful music um, that had already been curated into playlists so I would just lie down and listen to some beautiful music or it could be music that makes you feel happy it doesn't have to be relaxing music And then finally you can also connect with a positive visualization and this is really what we call resourcing and so resourcing the body. So this could be just visualizing how it felt that time when you were in this beautiful space with lovely people and it, it was just a magical moment in your life, whatever that might be. So the couple that I usually draw on um, as an example. So there was a time when I was in Sri Lanka, in Ella, in the mountains, and Ben and I were walking back from the town center to our little homestay accommodation where we were staying for the night. We were walking on this dirt road and it was there were no street lights or anything. It was just completely dark. I think we were using the torch on our mobile phones <laughs> to find the way. But there was a thunderstorm and the whole valley was just getting lit up by the lightning, and there were these big clouds and you know very dramatic and um little little drops of rain beginning to fall, but it was warm, and it was just the most beautiful moment, and we were walking in the dark with the thunder and lightning, a little bit of rain. And it was just very, very special. So I can take myself back there in my mind. And when I do that, my nervous system remembers and it finds and and it can change the sensations in the body. Another one I use is just... Imagining myself going swimming in the sea on a beautiful day and just the way the water feels and the way that the sunshine feels on my face and how it feels to have the sand in between my toes. So you can get very, very um, granular on the details and just spend some time sitting and visualizing. And this is ultimately how the DNRS works, the brain retraining program with Annie Hopper is it's just visualization. Part of the the trick is to feel the visualization in your body, but if you're not ready to go into your body, you can at the very least do the visualization techniques. So those are things that you can do to support your nervous system when you're in a crash or flare that don't involve you going into the body. I would also say here as well for me personally, um, I find cold water very beneficial. This is just a personal thing for me. So, um, having a cold shower or cool shower could help, or if I was well enough, just a cold plunge in the ocean, that would also be very, very beneficial not necessarily for everyone, um, but good for me. Then if you can go into your body, if you you have enough capacity in your nervous system to be with the maybe not so nice sensations as a consequence of the crash or the flare, then um, you can do things like breathing techniques to calm down the nervous system. So essentially a longer exhale than an inhale. You could do something like yin yoga, restorative yoga, Gentle movement or stretching um, these are also great to support the nervous system somatic practices so depending on where you are in your journey when you're listening to this you may not have even explored somatics yet but this is something i do with my one-on-one clients and i teach in my programs is somatic practices that um, can help us move or integrate activation of the nervous system in the body And so here we could also think about things like humming, yawning. Those are practices as well, which can be helpful for supporting the body. Things like orienting, resourcing, grounding practices. So there's lots of different tools that you can use and that work with the body on the inside. And those you can learn through myself, through the offerings that I have, or, you know, another course the most important thing is that you approach this from a place of gentleness, kindness, and ease. So instead of the negative or unhelpful dialogue that you could have, like, why is this happening to me? Will I ever get better? This is all my fault. A a classic one that I always used to go into was kind of like shaming myself and thinking of like all the times in the past that didn't treat my body perfectly. And that's why this was happening. So there was a lot of shame, at least in the early days about uh, surrounding my illness and why I became unwell. And none of that is helpful at all. So the alternative dialogue you can have with yourself is that which involves um, gentleness, kindness and ease. Instead of like the why questions like why is this happening to me you can use what and how questions which are more empowering and that could be like what does my body need right now what would feel most nourishing how could I move through this day with a little bit more kindness and ease? So that's what I would say to myself is, how do I create the greatest amount of ease in this day? And that could be just something as simple as walking a little bit more slowly, taking my time, not rushing. And obviously this is this is how I would approach it when I actually have a day I need to do. So working and different tasks and house chores and things like that how can I bring more ease and gentleness to the things that I have to do but even if you're just lying in bed processing this crash how can you do that from a place of kindness gentleness and ease where you basically just give yourself a break um, you are moving through something huge, you're moving through something horrific, you're moving through something which is also very, very lonely to move through at times. And you want to be the kindest, most gentlest person to yourself as you move through this whole experience. I wanted to touch on diet a little bit. Although I said, you know, there's no specific foods that you can eat that will necessarily make the crash end faster. I think that it's always good just to have a baseline of to be eating in a way which is anti-inflammatory, which is got um, where you are regulating your blood sugar. Sometimes doing a little bit of fasting can help if that's already a practice that you engage in. If you're in a crash or a flare it's not just suddenly the time to develop a fasting practice you want to be cultivating a fasting practice if it's appropriate for you as just part of your healing and then you could draw on that in a crash or a flare so maybe doing like a 24 hour fast because the autophagy can help to sort of manage and move on the inflammation so although there's no like superfoods that you can take in this time I do think a foundation of eating well which is essentially what you want to be doing anyway as part of your recovery should be reinforced at this time and I know when you don't feel well it's you just want to have chocolate or cake or at least I know I do but I also know as soon as I have those foods I feel even worse afterwards so it's not worth it finally I think just to reflect Maybe again, when you're starting to come out of the crash and you're feeling a little bit more resilient in your headspace, you can just reflect and think, you know, what did I learn from this? And um, what would I do differently next time? So that there's always a learning or a lesson that comes from the crash. For me personally I just share some things that worked really well for me so yin yoga was something I was practicing anyway so if I was feeling like my body needed more support I would do a morning yin yoga practice that would usually work I mentioned the music so just sometimes just lying in bed and listening to beautiful music and then also going into the body so again this is only appropriate for those of you who are comfortable going into the body, but often we want to go into the body and then we're like, oh, there's an ache here, there's a pain there, there's a headache there, and we want to avoid those feelings. For me personally, which won't be the case for everyone, I found going into my body, maybe while lying in bed and listening to some beautiful music, And then really fully feeling all the sensations was very settling for my nervous system. So I would feel the headache. I would feel the pain in my jaw. I would feel the pain in my neck and shoulders. I would feel the heaviness behind my eyes. And if there was any emotion that wanted to come out, if I needed to have a little cry, whatever was there, I would really let it be there and hold space for it to be there. And that would just take maybe, you know, not even that long, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes of just feeling it all. And that would really help to calm my body down and get a little bit more energy back into the system and a little bit more clarity. Again, as I said, not for everyone. Not everybody will be able to do that. Remember that I've got a couple of years of um, training in somatics under my belt at this point in time. So these are practices I'm working with on a daily basis and I'm studying to a very high level, but it's an option. If you do feel confident, that's something that you could do as well. Just then to recap on the episode, the first thing that we want to remember is that crashes, flares, setbacks are part of the process. They are the learning curves so that you can become who you need to be to achieve the goal that you want to achieve. Then we want to understand that these are self-protective processes that happen so that the body can rebalance and find homeostasis. Therefore, we want to really appreciate the intelligence of the body when we're in a crash or a flare and honor it. There's not a lot we can do, but the best thing we can do is really surrender to the process and support the nervous system. And I gave you some tools for supporting outside of the body and supporting inside of the body. And then the final piece is taking the time to just reflect and learn so that we can grow from the experience. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode today. As always, please make sure you're subscribing to the podcast so that you can get all the episodes as soon as they come out. If you found it interesting, helpful, useful, please share it with anybody else who may also benefit from this information. And if you haven't already, you can leave a review on iTunes and I will be very grateful. I will see you in the next episode. Have a fantastic fatigue recovery day.